What a maroon. <laughs> what an ignoranimous. <laughs> what a tarara goon DA. I don't know if I was in a mood, but I kind of wasn't crazy for this episode. But Oh, okay. That's fine. <clears throat> I mean, it's not like the greatest episode in the world. It's not bad either. I mean, I, I, I was just going to go off on the Hattori being a fucking weirdo, you know, but uh, that was and I keep, basically I, that. I and, kept and, reading the subtitles as King Crab Moron. Yeah, that that's well, you know, I well, we'll get into it, I guess, when we when we when we do the episode, but I I'm probably gonna call him maroon, you know, like what a maroon. What, what a king crab, what a maroon. Like that's what that's what <laughs> I was I was doing while I was I wasn't calling him moron. I was just like I heard like fucking bugs bunny in my head, King Crab, what a maroon. You know, that was that was what was going through my head. But shit, since we're talking about it, you wanna you wanna just start? Let us switch on. Switch on. All right. It's Super Podcast time! Welcome back to another Android-tastic, robo-rific episode of Fanholes Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I am here to switch on with you tonight, and I am not alone. Joining me for this podcast is my fellow Android compatriot. Why don't you give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin. Yeah, so we're doing our ongoing chronological coverage of the Tokusatsu series Android Kikaida, and we're on episode 19, which is titled King Crab Maroon, Keeper of the Death Ray. And this had a air date on KTSF San Francisco in August 2005, but the original Japanese broadcast air date was November 18th, 1972. And of course, the other title is King Crab, What a Maroon! Keeper of the Death Ray. And then the crazy Wikipedia title, which really threw me for a loop, is The Grim Reaper Beast Horseshoe Crab Rouge Appears! Like, he has a completely different name. Like, he's not what a maroon king crab. He's Beast Horseshoe Crab Rouge, you know? So I was just like, wow, okay. So I guess we'll get into it, but we, we open on a jewelry shop where this grim, dark, bearded man is looking for a 50-carat emerald. And when the shop clerk says they only are selling 40-carat emeralds, the dark beardo pulls out his emerald detector and points to this 50 carat ring on the shop clerk's finger 
And when she tells him she can't sell it because it belonged to her late mother, Beardo tells the woman to shut her trap. Beardo's eyes glow, and when he starts to grope the woman while attempting to forcibly remove the ring, the mail store manager runs in from behind and tries to smash a vase over Beardo's head. Beardo, of course, is unfazed and transforms into Crimson King Crab Watamaroon right before their very eyes. A strange character actor with the pseudonym Eddie Arab plays the human form of Crimson King Crab seen only at the top of this episode. Upon searching further information, we could not find any other credits for this mysterious thespian. He is he's kind of a weird looking character, yeah. isn't he? Like, like I mean, it, it's almost like, I mean, I, I don't want to you know, place aspersions, right? Like maybe they really did put a bunch of makeup and blacks under his eyes and everything, but he kind of has like like weird bushy eyebrows uh-huh. and, and, and like, he, he, he does kind of look like a creeper, like when he walks in. So like, that's, I mean, that's almost a given, but then, uh, you know, when, when you find out he's one of the dark monster guys or whatever, then you're like, oh, well, of course, like that's, that's completely obvious and everything when, when you see him, but there, it is that weird moment where you're like, what's up with this dude? Like, what's his story? And then you're like, ah, this is like, you know, it's almost like those you know, if 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 we want to analyze, overanalyze, and think about it, it's almost like those dark destructoid robots. Like they can, faci- you know, it, it's like it's like all the chat GPT shit and AI stuff that everybody's talking about in the news. It's like they can kind of, they can kind of make a facsimile of a human person, but it's like the event horizon shows up and it's like a little off, like all these, like I was telling TJ, I'm like, you know how you know it's AI generated image. It's like dudes have like fucking seven fingers on their hands or some dumb shit, you know, like, and it's like, it's like, you might think it looks good, but then like, take a look. And it's like, there, there's just something about it that's off. And it's funny. Cause obviously he's a real actor and a real, you know, a real thespian or whatever. Right. But like in terms of the, the story, right. Like th- th- there could be that aspect where like they, they, they can, make themselves have a human appearance but there's there's just something that they, they can't quite get about humanity you know like there's just something that's kind of missing and i know like th- again there, there's not a whole lot to point to in terms of of manga in in a lot of these episodes you know since since we're this deep into it you know there's not there's not too many references but what what i was able to dig up basically is in my in my research of the manga one of the villains that appears in volume two of the Kakaida manga by Shitoro Ishinomori is Robot Crab. And then later on in volume three, there's a whole slew of them, like crab robots that he has to fight. And they don't really look a lot like, obviously, you know, what a maroon king crab, right? Like, you know, this is a, this is a you know a Japanese stunt guy in in a jumpsuit you know and 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 he's he, I mean you know he's vaguely you know Power Rangery looking kind of crabby looking but I don't know how how rouge he is or how crimson he is like am I I, I don't know if I'm misremembering or whatever but I I I I feel like I I get it in terms of if he's supposed to be a a crab monster like the name makes sense. But then sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, it, it just seemed like he had a bit more, I don't know, muted, you know, like grays or greens or what, you know, it could just be, you know, the obviously the footage of the DVD or whatever, maybe some of the color palette is muted or whatever. But like, you know, it didn't seem quite so 
crimson or rouge to me or whatever. But in, in terms of the manga, like I, I kind of posted a couple images in case, you know, you, you, you don't remember those moments or whatever. But I, I posted some like, you know, double page splashes that were in the manga and stuff. And the first time this this crab robot thing appears after like an old man clobbers it with like a, a stick or something like that and then starts attacking the people like it almost looks kind of like a war of the worlds type alien or war of the world spaceship to me like the way it kind of looms over the people but then it's kind of got those you know crab i don't know it, it's kind of spider-like you know like it's got these kind of like crab legs and stuff and these these pincers in in its forearms and stuff like that and then the other spread is just of kakaida kind of like flying around like punching out like a bunch of these crab robots all at once with some other ones you know moving in to attack them and everything but that's i mean it's a tenuous connection, but that's, you know, I mean, obviously this guy's name is Crab and these guys' names are Crab. And like, you know, my name is Crab too. So who knows? Maybe I'm a dark destructoid, what a maroon Crab robot too. But that's the, that's the tenuous connection I have. I don't know. Do you, do you remember any of this? Like when you kind of, I assume you've perused some of the manga at the very least, if not like read it in depth. But did does, did you make that connection at all, or or were you interested to see this and kind of go, oh, that's kind of neat? Like, what was your take on it? I guess I don't remember this from the manga at all. Like, to me, it looks like something from the old Johnny Quest show. Like, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Like those, and... yeah. I find it interesting the Wikipedia calls it horseshoe crab because that's what I thought when I saw it. I was like, it looks more like a, it looks like a horseshoe crab wearing like yellow parachute pants or something. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess that's his, that's his um, helmet, right? His helmet is the horseshoe because it's got those little, like, metal stubs around it. I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like for a yeah. crab, it's got a lot of colors that are not crab-like. Like crabs are not silver. Crabs don't have green arms, and crabs don't have, like, spikes coming out of their backs or, or shoulders or whatever, right? Like, and, and, and that's part of his, his power set, too, right? So I guess we'll, we'll keep going. But the, so the Dark Destructoid fires his King Crab Death Dagger, which are launchable daggers from his right arm at the male manager, killing him. The female shop clerk quickly flees. I must flee! from the store and runs into Hattori Hanpei in his green VW bug as she pleads to Hattori Hanpei to drive her away. He comically has his back turned on Crimson King Crab. True to form, while Hattori is a fool, he punches King Crab away and jumps in his green VW bug to drive them away from the Dark Destructoid. While Hattori believes he's eluded King Crab, Actually, the Dark Agent is merely riding on the hood of his vehicle. The clerk screams when she sees the feet of King Crab dangling from the rear window. Mitsuko and Masaro just happen to be at a bus stop and wave at Hattori Hanpei and try to point out that he's got this monster on the roof of his car, but it's to no avail because Hattori's just waving back, hello, hello. And eventually, King Crab causes Hattori to put the brakes on and then chases the two out of the car. Reiko Mitsumori, a jewelry store clerk being pursued by Crimson King Crab, was played by Polydor recording artist 
no no Matsuzawa. She had a hit single with Kokoro no Haya, A Room for the Heart. Matsuzawa also played Rose Woman, the human guise of Shocker and Mutant Bararanga in episode 75 of Common Rider. So I definitely have never gotten that far in my viewing of the original Common Rider. Okay, okay, interesting. I think she's uh, a very attractive, cute actress. Like, I, I like her. I think, you know, she screams well and she plays the, you know, kind of damsel in distress very well or whatever. I'm not... I'm not really familiar with the actress. Like sometimes when I when I hear these things, and I don't know if I'm going to remember to do this or not, so maybe I'll I'll say it to myself on the show and and when I'm editing this, do it later. But sometimes I'm tempted, like when August Gregone says, like, oh, they had a hit single. Like sometimes, or, or maybe I do try, but I'm not successful. Like 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 sometimes I'm tempted to like look up the song and be like, what was this song like? Like it must've been popular, right? It was a hit single. Like you'd think maybe it'd be easy to look up, but like sometimes I guess, you know, the, the crossover, like I, I think in today's day and age, like there's a lot of, you know, popular Japanese media that is immediately, you know, uh, uh, consumed, you know, imported, uh, subtitled, fan subbed, fan uh, uh, dubbed, or what you know, what have you, right? But maybe back then in 1972, I mean, it, it's kind of like the idea of we, we get excited when those um, you know Toei channels or whatever it is just dole out maybe one or two episodes of this old 70s tokusatsu on YouTube, right? And and you know me, I'm like, oh, I wish they'd like release like all the episodes of Unazuman F, you know, because I've never seen all of them you know so it's like it's like there's still stuff like that so it, it might not be as easy as i think to find that you know that quote-unquote hit single you know on our end at any rate right like so you you can actually find quite a bit of like 80s japanese music on youtube mm, like mm. like i know a lot of times when i'm like editing photos and things i'll usually put some music on and you can usually find like two or three hour long playlist it's just like compilations of hit songs from japan in the 80s and i some of those are actually you know pretty uh pretty catchy and i don't know i'm just kind of fascinated by stuff like that so if this was a hit single in you know mid early 70s like maybe it's on youtube somewhere yeah yeah it's possible i mean i i know i know sometimes i would get into these jags where when when i really liked um a popular song right like like um you know when, when we're doing like the you know, the, the Mobile Suit Mondays on the original Gundam, you know, like sometimes I would look up like live performances of that by, you know, mm. the, mm. the, you know, the singer and stuff like that. And so sometimes it's kind of fun. And then the other thing that I, I guess I really got into watching live versions of it, just because I think I, um, I, I liked the, the songs were when we were talking about Macross, I would watch them perform certain songs live like if there were videos of that on youtube and then the other thing that made me think of it was when i got really into um uh you know uh macross um delta macross, no mac well delta was one of them but but macross uh seven the, the that's that's basara right or am i messing that up no i think you're right yeah 
yeah, Macross Seven. Like, like, cause the the music in that is like key. Cause, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I I, I know Min Man music is key too. But in in that one, it's even more key. Cause he's he's in the suit and he's fucking singing guitar to fly the goddamn suit. Like, it's more key in that than anything, right? So, like, sometimes I would the, the same thing. I would watch these these uh, live performances. You know, the, the, the Saturday night. You know, and and all that kind of shit. And like, I I just I thought that was kind of cool. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's another fun rabbit hole i can i can go down in youtube or whatever i i feel like it's worth mentioning because of of the the portion of the episode that we just talked about i i want to give hattori his props before i rip him an asshole for the rest (laughs) of this show like this opening moment i feel like is and and this is me being you know i don't know whatever you're a gatekeeper you you me 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 like this is me being that kind of fan or whatever but it's like this is the Hattori Hanpei that I know and love and accept, right? He's he's a little weird, he's a little clueless, but when when the shit hits the fan, like he, you know, it's like okay, he's a goofball, right? He doesn't see king crabs coming up. He probably should have driven them away a long ass time ago. That's fine. That's fitting in character. He he he's, he sees this pretty girl and he wants to help mainly because she's pretty. That's within character, right? And and then when when he turns around and he sees the the you know uh, king crab or whatever he screams like a little girl in character right but then the next thing he does is he goes uh, and like tries to like punch him away or whatever and then goes and drives off but that one moment that moment of defiance it's like that's the key it's like he might be all these dumb things but like deep down like he's supposed to at least want to be a good guy or, or try his best to like put up a good fight, even though maybe he's hopelessly outmatched. And I feel like that's like, you know, when people have those memes, right. Where it's like, everybody's like, Oh, J Jonah Jameson's an asshole. And J Jonah Jameson, this J Jonah Jameson, that like, he's, he's, he, 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 he's a hard right winger. He's a, he's a duty head. He's a, this, he's a, that, but then, you know, when it comes, when, when, when it comes down to it on Facebook, there's that meme where everybody points to that moment in that fucking Raimi Spider-Man movie where Green Goblin in his Power Ranger outfit is choking the shit out of Jay Jonah. And he's like, who's this kid taking pictures of Spider-Man? And, and then, uh, you know, Jay Jonah's like, oh, I don't know. I never met him. He mails in the pictures. Everybody's like fucking hero. You know what I mean? Like, like he didn't give up his fucking source. Like he's a he's a fucking reporter and he's an editor and and all basically all his principles. Like no matter what you think of the guy, in that moment under extreme duress, life threatening duress, his principles remain true. And I I feel like that. In other words. When when Hattori turns around, as comical as it is, as stupid and Charlie Chaplin as it is, he's under extreme duress. And rather than just run away and leave the girl to get captured or kidnapped or whatever, he pushes the guy away, gets in the car, and drives them away. Now, that's the best thing I can say about Hattori in this episode because it kind of goes all downhill after this, which makes me question the, the veracity of my my belief in the core of his character, right? So now you've got all four of them fleeing on foot. It's it's the the store clerk, Hattori, Mitsuku, Masaru, and King Crab orders the Dark Destructoid soldiers to kill all of them. So now they're surrounded, 
King Crab unleashes this adhesive from his mouth called the King Crab Foam, which apparently is a bunch of soap bubbles that uh, weakens and traps our supporting cast. It kind of reminds me of like the misunderstanding about like, I don't know, Green Lantern's yellow weakness or red solar radiation as a weakness for Superman. Like, like it's that mis it's like just because Superman's under a red sun, he's not like, oh, I'm under a red sun. Ooh. It just it just makes him a normal dude. Like it doesn't like it. He doesn't. He doesn't get hemorrhoids from it. You know what I mean? Like, like he doesn't, he's not in pain. Right. Like, 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 and it's like, to me, it's like, it's like, wait, is this an adhesive or does this make people weak? Cause I feel like it's like a comp, like they describe it as a, a, as an adhesive. So it's like supposed to be like this sticky glue that comes out of his mouth that like binds and traps all these poor, you know, hapless victims on the floor. Right. But it also seems like the way, especially the actors are playing it is like, that they're somehow drugged or addled or out of it. Like, like it's somehow either making them weak or disoriented or something like that. So I, I found that interesting and I don't know how that works, but apparently it's soap bubbles that trap you and disorient you somehow. Right. So it's affecting all the supporting cast and the featured guest star, the dark troops take the shop clerk as King crab threatens to kill the rest. Just then, we hear the cherry red guitar of justice playing in the background. King Crab, recognizing what that means, screams for the quote-unquote mechanical man to show himself. I think I'll stop for a minute, because I find that interesting. Like, because I'm like, dude, bro, you're a mechanical man. Who are you calling a mechanical? It's like, you know... Like who you call a mechanical man? Like like you're a mechanical man. It's like you know. Like I I I I, I just find that funny. It's like it's like one of those things where it's like you know it, it, you know it'd be like me. Hey nerd. You know it's like what what are you doing, dude? You're a fucking nerd. Like what are you talking about? You know. Like, I don't know. Do you have any you have any thoughts? Any take on that? Like because of 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 how the I don't know the manga just seems to so uh, over dramatize that aspect of Kakaida. Like I'm killing my brothers, you know, and all this stuff. But this. It's almost just kind of like he's like, come on out, mechanical man. And I'm just like, dude, bro, you you are a mechanical man. It's almost like, you know, th this is one aspect of the live action tokusatsu where it seems like at least this moment in particular seems to not, not that it ever heavily focused on the drama or pathos of of, you know, uh, you know, mechanical brothers murdering one another. Like it's, it's nowhere near like the anime or the manga where it's all very, you know, kind of, you know, violins playing and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it, it's almost like it's, it, it's almost like he, you know, King Crab thinks he's not mechanical or, or is dark somehow also experimenting in, I don't know, like chemical and organic Bots or so I, I I don't know. I mean, it seems like even at the end, you know, obviously at the end, he kind of wins and he blows up, right? So he's still got the cogs and the 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 watch parts and all that other stuff. So I'm just kind of like, dude, you are a mechanical man. I don't know. I mean, maybe the man part is the insult because King Crab's real form mm. is the crab horseshoe form okay or okay. as jiriel's real form is kakaida which is a humanoid yeah okay man shape maybe I, and, and most of his uh, most of his antagonists that he defeats week to week they're animalistic yeah mechanical okay, okay. 
I, I, I accept that. That's that's a pretty decent no prize. Like like maybe yeah. the emphasis is not on not on mechanical. It's on man. Like you're just some dumb man, and I'm I'm King Crab, right? Like it'd be like it'd be like King Shark calling some. I mean, if King Shark was a robot, right? Like and he called some you know Superboy a mechanical man, or or I don't know Red Tornado or the Vision a mechanical man. You'd be like, oh okay, well, you know you're. You know, if if he was mechanical, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, well you're mechanical too," but he's not a man. Okay, yeah, yeah, I I like that. I think that's cool. So Jiro, high on the rooftop, continues playing his ballad. After some taunts are exchanged, Jiro leaps down to confront the dark agents and King Crab. Jiro saves the shop clerk and slaps Hattori Hanpei awake, telling him to look after the girl. Hattori drives off, but leaves behind Mitsuku and Masaru. Jiro does a high flip twirl in the air, and when he comes back down, he is Android Kikaida. As they fight, a man comes by to wake Mitsuku, and Mitsuku recognizes the voice as her father's. But Professor Komoji is still, still suffering from amnesia and doesn't return the recognition. You're like, ah, he's right there, while still taking pity on the pair and moves them out of harm's way. That that kind of stuff always drives me crazy. Does it drive you crazy? Yes. Yeah. It's like, dude, he's right there. And like, how does he not like? It's so funny. Like, like I, I, I swear, I, I really do think he remembers. He's just like abdicating his responsibilities. He just wants to be a, 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 a no responsibilities playa in the in the streets of Japan or whatever. He just wants to go from town to town and and hang out with cute girls and 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 not have any responsibilities anymore. And then and then when they finally catch up on him, he's like, oh darn, okay, I remember now. No, like, cause, cause it's like, it's like when I used to think Aunt May was blind when I used to watch the, the Spider-Man cartoons. Cause I was like, how do you not, he's right there, Aunt May. Like, just, just look, Spider-Man's right there in your fucking house. Like, how do you not see him crawling on the walls? Like, I, I was convinced when I was a little kid that Aunt May was blind. I thought she must be blind. That's the only explanation. But anyway, so... King Crab eventually flees the fight by burrowing into some dirt, which I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a biologist or an animonologist or a crustaceanologist or whatever the fuck those are that would apply to this. But like, I was kind of like, okay, crabs probably burrow into sand. Do they burrow into dirt? I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Like, like it was like he was, um, I don't know, like Angiris or one of those, like, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, I can't remember all the Ultraman guys, but, you know, you know there's some Ultraman kaiju that, like, fucking digs underground or some shit. I I thought it was really cool, like, he basically chops his legs off, and then later on, you know, jumping in, he, like, he's under repair. I thought that was a neat change, but I'm like, he's got his legs chopped off. Like, all he had to do was, like, run up and, like, you know, dingy end him, and that would have been the end of the episode. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting because this is, I guess, because the episode doesn't have all that much plot. It's it's as uh, I, I think it's as uh, you know, Luke Giaconetti would would say. There's a lot of uh, fighty fighty run run, and it's like there's fighty fighty run run right up front in the episode, almost so much so that you're like. 
is is he gonna is he gonna win like in the middle of the episode? Like, are they actually gonna change the formula? And it's like, well, like you said, no. I mean, he he sort of gets a gets a partial win. He he forces the destructoid king crab to retreat, but he doesn't you know he doesn't finish him off, right? Like, so it's like, oh, okay, you know, and 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 that is like you said, that is very interesting because he's he's getting repaired later. You know, like, and, and, and I guess, I guess it makes it personal, right? Like you, it's like, you broke my legs. This is personal now, bitch, or whatever, like that kind of shit, you know? So that's kind of funny. And then I guess at that point, kind of just zooms off in his, in his sidecar. And, and then later on, we see Professor Gill's men, like you said, are operating on King Crab to restore his legs. And when King Crab awakens, Professor Gill asks if the work on the death ray has been completed. And... I'm, I'm again overanalyzing this a bit, but you know, I, I think there are still some things that I missed, even though I, I watch this as a podcaster and I'm overanalyzing. And you're you're pointing out like clever things too, like tweaks on my uh, impressions of this, right? So I, I hopefully maybe you can help me, you know, decipher this. But th- this this is my level of confusion, right? He he asks him if the death ray has been completed. And so they say, look, bro, Professor Gill, I have completed the death ray. And it, the death ray looks kind of like a Gatling gun, but I guess it, you know, kind of shoots these explosive lasers or whatever. They test it on one of the soldiers and it, and it blows it all up, right? So you think, wow, this is a pretty deadly thing. But he explains, kind of like a, a plot of a G.I. Joe episode, we need the MacGuffin to power this properly. This was only like a, a, a you know twenty carat emerald or whatever. It's not good enough. What we need is the store clerk's fifty carat emerald. We need you know Rako's fifty carat emerald, right? Because if we have the fifty carat emerald, then it'll be powerful enough. But this this is where I I lose the thread, right? So he's after. Mitsumori Reiko for the 50 carat emerald so it can power up the death ray. Now, the logic that I have is okay, so you've got the 50 carat thing, and if you blast Kakaido with the 50 carat thing, then it should destroy him, right? But somehow it turns into like if they have the 50 carat emerald. It can turn a car into a car bomb, so it's going to turn Kaida into a bomb. And I'm just like, what the fuck cares about turning people into bombs? Like, can this thing kill him or not? Like, and again, maybe maybe there's some nuance that I'm missing. But like, did, did you what, what was your take on the the plot or the the plan? Like, like because I was just kind of like, wait a minute, why? Like, basically, I feel like uh, Scott Evil. It's like, dude. Why don't you just take him outside with the death ray and shoot him? Like I'll 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 bring the death ray. We can do it together. You know, like I don't I don't get why, you know, what is this nonsense about turning like if we have the emerald it'll turn him into a bomb. I'm just kinda like, why does this have to be so complicated? No, I'm with you on this. I don't understand it either. I mean, okay, okay. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, is it me? Like, because I'm, I'm yeah. like, why, why does, like, like w- w- you didn't turn that other guy into a bomb. It looked like it fucked him up pretty good. Why don't you just do that? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it would have made more sense if they were like, you know, if, if we use the 40 carat, like, 
after like five shots, it'll burn out. But if we get to 50 carat, maybe it'll be like 20 shots or something like right, that would right. have been more simplistic and made more sense. This whole bomb thing, it's like, well, who cares? Like, it's a I chill mean, of death ray, right? Like, just yeah, blast yeah. Him. I, I, I'm like, dude, I, I sort of get it. I mean, a death ray that doesn't kill was a little weird, but like a death ray that if it has the 20 carat, it'll kill a, a standard soldier, right? Okay, but we need the 50 carat to kill Kakaida because Kakaida's the hero, Kakaida's special. We need, we you know, we need the big, you know, gemstone or whatever it is, right? To, and I, okay, like that, that makes perfect sense. But this whole turning people into car bombs thing, like, I, I mean, I, I guess it's like Professor Gill's like appreciating the irony of it or something. Like, I mean, okay, fine. Like you're, you're, you're mustache twirling. You're, you're, you're getting giddy cause you're, you're, you're inflicting suffering on this guy or whatever. But like, I just, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, super more complicated than it needs to be. It's like, this is, this is a hit, right? It's an assassination. You want to kill this guy, but it's like, so it's not like, you know, like, Okay, I really hate this guy. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna get some dental floss and we're gonna tie it to his legs and he's gonna trip and fall and he's gonna be embarrassed. And then I'm gonna get an axe and I'm gonna chop his head off. It's like, why don't you just fucking get the axe and chop the fucking guy's head off and fuck the dental floss? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, especially since the dental floss is highly likely to not make him trip, right? He just might just fuck the dental floss and he runs away, right? So. So yeah, so so we're we're basically at this point we're at the commercial break. Where am I? The Voyager cast. Who are you? The second in command. What do you want? To cover every iteration of Star Trek. I will not watch Voyager, Enterprise, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, or Discovery. My life is my own. By hook or by crook, you will. I am not a prisoner of your podcast whims. Alright, you want to do the prisoner? Alright then. The Village People, an exploration of the prison. With Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and Andrew Lamb. And we're back from the commercial break. And... When we come back from the commercial break, Hattori Hanpei and Mitsumori Reiko are in her apartment. Look closely. The set used for Reiko Mitsumori's apartment is, again, the same interior set used for episodes 5, 7, 11, 12, and 13. This time, the set is painted blue instead of the previous yellow. This episode is notable for shooting on a number of suburban Tokyo neighborhoods instead of the usual unpopulated forest areas and barren quarries. That's interesting because it, it does give it more of like a, a city type feel than, than it normally does. But I'm guessing because there, there weren't too many squibs, right? There weren't too many explosions in those scenes. So they could kind of get away with doing that, I think, because of, you know, whatever the you know, the legal ramifications of that are, you know, and, and so that's, I mean, it does, it does make for some, some interesting set locations and stuff like that. I don't, yeah, did, you, and did you, did you recognize anything? I mean, it, it seemed like there might've been some recognizable like buildings and, and, and scenery, but I, I couldn't really place anything. No, I didn't recognize anything. I, what I was going to say is like, you can, you can kind of tell like they were, 
playing it safe in these neighborhoods because like anytime there was an explosion it was like an inch it was an insert shot of like a paper mache like dude getting blown up mm. in the studio or something okay okay yeah so basically now that they're back at reiko's apartment all these explanations are made and hattori hanpei agrees to look after the emerald ring while reiko heads back to the shop Jiro arrives at a hospital to find Mitsuko and Masaru. After the nurse updates Jiro on their status, Jiro tells them to get some rest and heads out. Masaru asks if his sister thinks Jiro knows about how she feels about him, and then she kind of barks back at him or whatever. Um, I, I, I guess this is an interesting moment because this doesn't this doesn't get touched on quite as often. Like this is not. Oh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Whereas Amnesiac Professor Komoji, like, you know, living it up, living his best life, and then showing up for a moment going, oh, I forgot, I forgot everything, is like a staple of most episodes. Like, you know, the, the, the giant swing is a staple of most episodes, you know, like that, that kind of, like Professor Gill and the fucking devil flute, you know, annoying me to no end is like a staple. Like it's, it's guaranteed to be in every episode. Not only is it guaranteed, it's probably like the Incredible Hulk where it's like, oh, 22 minute mark and the 44 minute mark is where he hulks out. You know, it's like, it's perfectly timed, you know, like a mathematical formula in some cases, right? The examination of, you know, the, the feelings of an android, the, the feelings of Mitsuku for Jiro, you know, and this, this kind of, you know, I, I mean, I guess we can get into it, but, you know, like Jiro was built to replace a family member, but then in this case... It, it's not so much like that. There's more of a, you know, there's 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 romantic kind of conceits to it, possibly, you know. And and, and again, you know, th it's not something that's delved very deeply into on the show, but but it is brought up. And even even as young as Masaru is, like he's not, you know, he gets it. You know what I mean? Like he gets that big sis, you know, loves Jiro, right? Like it's not. It's it's not a secret, right? Or it's an open secret, or what you know, whatever. But um, I I don't know. I just I I find it interesting when those moments happen, and was curious like what your, you know, if you were still invested in that relationship, if 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 you still think it's kind of weak sauce on the tokusatsu, and they 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 do more interesting things with it in the anime and manga. Like what, you know, what's your current status on that? I'm definitely still interested, but it shows up so haphazardly, like it's kind of, and it's so very brief here. It's just like a little, little tiny bit. And I wish there, I wish there was a little bit more, especially since I, I wasn't crazy about this episode because there's so much like nonsense and gaga that goes on. Like mm -hmm. I kind of wish mm -hmm. you could have cut out some of the gaga and maybe it just had like a little bit longer of, uh, the relationship stuff like it doesn't have to be like on point with them like sitting down and having coffee and discussing things it could just be like Mitsuku and Masaru kind of talking about it a little bit more or something but they definitely play with this aspect more in the anime and I definitely was super into that at the time like it's, it's been a long time since I've watched the anime but like that aspect definitely stands out more in the anime it's interesting you say that because I, I feel like, you know, back to the whole fighty, fighty, run, run thing. And it's almost like this is 50 percent 
fighty fighty, which for little kids and even action junkies like myself, like the 50% fighty fighty is pretty awesome. The, the 50% run run, I think maybe like 49% of that has the Gaga stuff you're talking about. So I, I, I get it. Like from your perspective, right? You're like, dude, 50% of this episode is Gaga stuff. And like, <laughs> that's, that's an F, right? Like that's not, that's, that's not anybody's idea of a, an A plus episode or whatever. Right. Like, so I, I, I can understand that. And, and I, I feel like, like, especially the, the, you know, that that's why I was trying to be positive about Hattori. Cause I think this is, I mean, well, he already left Masuko and Masaro behind. I mean, you, you yeah. could argue like maybe maybe Jiro told him to do that, but not exactly. He just said, get get them, you know, get the girl to safety. But like he could have taken Mitsuku and Masaru to safety, too. It's only by the, you know, the basically it's because Professor Komoji had to make an appearance in the middle of all this gobbledygook. And this yeah. was the only way they could figure out how to have him show up without it interrupting this kind of. Uh, chaotic series of of fighty fighty run run events and and that kind of thing. You know, and yeah, it it must be nice for the actor playing Doctor Komyoji because he's only in like a couple of scenes for every episode. He like he shows up and he's like he's walking in the woods or he's walking by the lake and then he like he has a few lines and then he leaves and he gets paid for that. <laughs> he doesn't have much to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like if you're in a TV show and your character is in a coma for like four episodes, like. Cordelia or something you're just like okay so I just lay in bed for four episodes and I get paid like so easy well that's kind of misleading because I I mean I would say like have you ever tried to lie still for like four hours before and not do anything like and imagine you're awake the whole time and imagine there's all these bright lights on you and people keep bugging you about wait no continuity like you if, if you if you laid down in this awkward position for three minutes it's like, guess what? You have to stay in that awkward position for the next five hours because we're we're doing this, you know, scene again and again and again and again. Um, as far as Komoji goes, I was about to say, you know what? What is cool about that is he's an amnesiac. So, like, can you imagine, like, dude, if you if you forgot your lines for the day or you're just out of it one day, it's like, dude, you're totally in character. You're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't. Uh, I can't remember shit. It's like, guess what? My character can't remember shit too. He's like, dude, he's living, he's living the Dustin Hoffman dream. Like he's method acting because he's fucking out to lunch like that one day or whatever. So it's like perfect, full on like method acting where he's just like, dude, I'm out of it and I'm really out of it, you know. So it's like he's he's capturing all that on film or whatever. That's that's kind of what I was thinking. Dr. Konyo G's like, my dear boy, it's called acting. It's called acting, my dear boy. So meanwhile, uh, this is this is where it all goes downhill, people. Hattori <laughs> Hanpei is going all creeper again. So he takes a shower in this chick's apartment. He's wearing the emerald ring in the fucking shower in her apartment because she kindly said, look, make yourself at home while you protect this emerald. He's supposed to be protecting the emerald, by the way. As Satori makes out with the fucking ring, like, it's, ugh. okay, it's creepy. King Crab emerges from the soap bubble. Satori screams like a freaking Friday the 13th girl and runs to his VW bug in one of Reiko's robes. And now, out of the fucking blue, 
he is all done up in drag slash makeup all of a sudden, and Hattori drives off, but quickly realizes King Crab is again atop his car. Uh, I, I knew this was going somewhere. I, I was what? expecting him to, like, prowl through her, like, Oh, her, like, drawer. underwear drawer. Yeah, her underwear shit. drawer. Okay. I was like, I was like, when it showed him in the shower, I was like, okay, well, at least we dodged one bullet, but why, where is this going? And then, it, yeah, the whole drag thing comes out of nowhere. It's like, how did he put all that stuff on as he was running away to his car? Like, it just, and he's even got lipstick and makeup on. It's like, he took the time while he's running away from this monster to, like, do all this. And I was like... Uh, I, I, I feel like it's like they were he he's the the Buster Keaton Charlie Chaplin of this series and like they haven't do stuff like that but I mean I guess inherently like men dressing in drag for sketches and comedy and whatever like that I mean fuck it goes all the way back to the fucking you know 15th century or what you know what i mean like it goes all the way back to like you know traveling stage shows where women weren't allowed to act right like there was always this this thing with acting where dudes were dressing up like women right and like that's part of it but like then there's the whole i mean it's like they applied tokusatsu ultraman logic to drag dressing like 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 somehow he he had a freaking ultraman um henshin henshin or whatever (laughs) and like he had like an extra five minutes to like put on the makeup and dress in the fucking robe and 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 apply the wig and the bobby pins and everything that you'd need to do to like look like you know spick and span in that outfit and then then he went and kept running afterwards you know and it's like obviously that's not what happened but like that's that's sort of the logic that you know it's not really logical but you know what i mean like that's sort of the tropiness of it or, or whatever sweating to the hits as dark destructoid crimson king crab was the mishima kinjaki's tireless yukio mihashi I mean, I, I guess, you know, even if you don't like Crimson, what a maroon, King Crab, like, at least you got to give it up for the stunt guy, you know, doing all the kooky stuff in this. I mean, you know, even even when it's not like life threatening, where I mean, I guess he's on top of a fucking car, right? I mean, that that's I mean, again, I know people think that's like tame and mundane and stuff like that. But like, what if somebody like slammed on the brakes or did a did a quick swerve because there was a fucking bunny in the middle of the road you know what i mean like like i'm i'm sure doing like doing a stunt where you're on the roof of a car is hard enough like if you're just in tj hooker and you're not in a fucking tokusatsu suit thing like that's hard enough as it is right so it, it must be exceptionally more difficult when you're in a big giant foam rubber suit or whatever too so i mean i'll still you know whatever your distaste is for this episode like I'm, I'm i'll still give it up to to all the stunt guys that do do all the stunt work in these giant suits because i know it's not easy so as hattori runs away on foot again he curses the emerald ring that he's supposed to be protecting and he tosses it aside and 
that that should be damning enough. But I guess this policeman sees the ring and he returns it to Hattori. So it's it's I don't know. Maybe it's a bit Three's Company where it's like I'm trying to get rid of this thing and it keeps coming back to me. Trying to get rid of this thing and it keeps coming back to me. Anyway, uh, Drag Hattori bumps into Mitsuku and Masaru, and Mitsuko is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Dressed in drag, dude. Mm. Like, what are you doing? And he has no, like, reasonable answer for that. So he leaves them with the emerald ring. He's like, I don't want this shit. It's fucking cursed. Again, like, that seems to fly in the face of exactly what I, like, described before. This is not the guy who's, like, deep down, he's looking out for people. Like, this is the guy deep down, he only fucking cares about himself and he just leaves them with... I mean, he's basically leaving them with a hot potato. You know what I mean? And and, and saying, oh, this hot, this potato's too hot for me. Like, you guys take it. It's like, even if... I mean, I, I know, I know, it's part of the plot and all this other stuff, right? But, like, even if, even if he was looking out for himself, like... How should I say this? This is this is probably crass, right? But like, or or mean spirited or whatever. But it's like, okay, so you run into Masuko and Masara. That's fine. What about the next guy? Like, why don't you give it to some yakuza who pass by? And then you're like, well, they're yakuza. They they fucking beat up people for a living and steal their money. Like, well, they'll totally be into this green emerald, and I'll give it to them. And then fucking crimson water maroon crab stumbles upon the yakuza and kills all of them. You know, maybe I'm being too mercenary like the Punisher, but like, to, at least that's a, you know, partial win, right? Like you, you, or maybe for him, it's a win-win. It's like, he doesn't get killed. And then some bad guys get killed on top of that, right? But he gives it to somebody, presumably, that he's got a relationship and cares about. So you feel like, what a fucking jerk. You know, like, why, why would you give it to them of all people? You know, like, I mean, even if you gave it back to the store clerk, like that would be better than giving it to like the 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 girl and little boy lead protagonists who you're supposed to be presumably protecting, right? Like so I I don't know, like that that kind of drove me crazy or whatever. Like I it, or and it lessened, you know, it's kind of I know you brought this up before and I've always been pretty defensive of Hatori, right? But like these moments make that more questionable. It makes that uh, my the strength of my conviction that he's he's deep down he's a good guy. Like it it kind of makes that more and more shaky, you know. Especially this episode, and so Hanpei then does a complete 180, right? Because he gives them these he gives them the ring because they're walking nearby, but then as they walk off, he, he it's almost like he's praying or pleading to Jiro to save them after he sold them up, you know, like sold them out, basically, or, 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 or you know, sent them up the river or what, whatever, right? Like, and so King Crab launches these death daggers, and instead of killing Masuko and Masaru, they, they trap them against the tree because they're you know they they get uh, stuck in their clothing and, and kind of pin them to the tree and Jiro shows up he fights the dark agents 
Reiko is also nearby watching the fight, so Jiro recovers the ring, tosses it back to Reiko. As Reiko frees, see, she's better than Hattori in this case, and maybe it gives her as the guest star something to do. I don't know. Maybe it's in her pop star contract. She's like, I, I get to do something cool too, right? Frees Mitsuku and Masaru from the tree. Jiro dodges the death ray blasts. But then that damnable Professor Guild Devil Flute begins to play, getting on my nerves, right? And you think, after all this fucking time, it's like, what? what is this, 19 episodes, you think my man would invest in some fucking earplugs or come up with some special Kakaida electronic earplugs that, like, totally drown out shit all the time? Or, like, could you imagine if he was, like, Data, but instead of, uh, like, an emotion chip that he could turn on and off, he just had, like, a, a, a chip that could you know, turn off his ears or some shit or turn mm. off like his susceptibility to that devil flute. And mm. and then, and then it'd be like that scene in first contact where it's like, uh, Mr. Kakaida, we're coming into the room. And, 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 and Kakaida's like, <clears throat> you know, tur and he, tur he, he snaps his neck and turns off his, uh, his audio receptors. And it's like, Mr. Kakaida, there's sometimes I envy you, you know, or whatever. Like that, that would be cool. But I guess that would eliminate his his weak point for you know the the basically the, the you know one of these time coded moments that that have to happen in in every single episode. Anyway, uh, Masuku rolls over the giant street mirror that was dislodged by the death ray to Jiro. And this also gets a bit confusing for me yeah. too. So, so you'll have to, you'll have to, you know, uh, I guess fill me in on what your take on this was. But so she she rolls over the street mirror, right? And you're like, oh yeah, okay, it's a mirror, so it's gonna reflect the death ray. Okay, fine, like I get that, right? And technically, I mean, it reflects the death ray and drowns out the devil flute at the same time. I don't know if I believe that, but I guess maybe the noise and the vibration that hits the mirror somehow drowns out the devil flute. Who cares? The Devil Flute shit is always flimsy. I'm not really concerned about that. But what I am concerned with is, like, the Death Ray shoots, and then there are some scenes where it's, like, oil or goo or something is, like, leaking out over the mirror. And so I'm like, what, did, did the Death Ray hit Jiro? And the oil is from Jiro? Like, is he bleeding on the mirror? Like, what? what? I don't know what's going on. And it's almost like... <sighs> It's like those moments in Tokusatsu or Power Rangers or something where you you just you know accept things at fate or or, or like you know it, it's like it's like in Batman Returns when he peels off his mask at the end and you know he's got these big giant raccoon eyes of makeup to to fill in the eye holes but when he when he rips off his face like Michael Keaton is in perfect you know his his hair is like and he has no raccoon eye makeup or you know he pulls off the mask and he looks just you know just as well done up as bruce wayne ever would now that he's taken off the mask and it's just it's just something you accept that you know at face value you're not supposed to go look oh why doesn't he have all that makeup and shit on his face like you're, you're just not supposed to think about it it's like it's just the logic of comics you take off your mask you look like a normal dude you put on the mask you look like you know, the Batman or whatever, right? And so to me, I'm kind of like, all right, fine. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, the ray shoots the mirror, the mirror shoots it back. And I guess I just don't even bother to think about 
whatever this oil thing was, but it almost makes me wonder why even why even put that in the first place? Because to me, yeah. it seems like he's just fine. Like, like he, I don't know if it was supposed to be like he got hit, but then they used some footage where he didn't get hit because of cost saving or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, it seems like he's fine. He three two one changes into Kakaida. Kakaida fights King Crab with the spinning anchor, double chop, giant swing, and finally the end, blowing him up for now. And then later, Reiko thanks Masuku and Masaru and wishes them luck finding their father. They already fucking found him, but he ran away, so she's still wishing them luck. And Jiro, per usual, drives off on the road in his sidecar solo. And next episode, the Ruthless Blue Waterbugs Poison Plan! And that's pretty much the episode. So, and I know, I know you said you didn't care for this too much. I mean, is there anything else you want to go into i mean do you think it just didn't didn't hit you right or you just think this is a, this is uh you know for for what this is it's still to you a, a fairly weak entry in in most of these that you've seen yeah i think this is the first one i just wasn't really into i i think there was too much nonsense running around at the beginning and then when uh hitori is like running away and doing all this stuff i'm like there's so much like nonsense and gaga in this like the fighting is fine i don't have a problem with that but there's there's just lots of weird stuff in this and like you i, I got stuck on the whole mirror thing i'm like is I, I it's such a weird sequence and the way it's edited and put together it kind of like confuses you and then you like you said you just have to like go along with it and, and, and accept the logic or in you have to accept the logic or i guess the illogic of it and Going to the next episode. Illogical. Illogical. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's what you that that's what you feel like when you when you see mm -hmm. those scenes, right? Where you're like, this makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I agree with you about the Gaga stuff. Like, I get it because it, it to, to me it's like I, I I think I still stand by this is mostly fighty fighty run run, which on paper at face value should just be an exciting episode, like, you know, like something that kids will like, like something that like, you know, e even if there's wacky comedy, that's fine. But I feel like some of that Gaga, as you call it, it's like, it's like it, it's like a layer of like infected mucus and it comes all over the episode and it makes it like unwell, like sick, you know, like where, where you're like, wait, like this should be fun. But there's something about it that just, you know, you can tell it just it, it, it's off. It doesn't it, it feels like there's something like, you know, this this glaze of sickness over it. And I guess like. I, I don't know, like I, I feel like some of that comedy came at the expense of of uh, like what what I think of. Hattori, I guess, you know, because it's like, I don't know, he, he, he seems more of a slime ball in this. And that goes back to that glaze of sickness thing, you know, like where it's like, why, you know, it, he seems more like a scum bucket, you know, like, or at least, you know, I, I don't know if it's unintentional, but, but it, I guess it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, it's, it, it just, it puts a lie to something that, that, uh, you know, that, that you kind of, I don't know, I felt strongly about where I was like, ah, he, he might be a goofball. He might, uh, he, you know, he might 
not always have everybody's best interests at heart, but when when the shit really goes down, he's gonna he's gonna come through and and help out and everything. And I I don't I don't think that held true in this, you know. So I, I felt like it was unfortunate. Like like I I don't know maybe maybe if if uh, Hattori was the one that rolled him the the mirror to try and make up for it or something. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just just something where he's like, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Jiro, I fucked up. You know, um, I I shouldn't have let go of the emerald and and yeah, it's funny to say. Like I know we I know we make fun of like the the you know filmation you know has a, a moral lesson at the end with He Man or knowing is half the battle or whatever, right? But like sometimes and 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 I don't mean to sort of put the you know. Oh, they they should have a filmation, you know, morality thing at the end of this or whatever. But like, you know, it, so, sometimes like like just in general, something that is true of most of these episodes is like when they end, they end, and Jiro's riding off in the sidecar, and you know, they, they, at least in this, they do have the moment with. I think usually they have a moment for like the guest star, right? So it's like it's like Reiko has that moment where she thanks them, right? Like thank you guys for helping me out. And had had Hatori been the one to maybe toss the mirror, had Hatori maybe been the one to realize his error or whatever, and and, and try to make up for it, maybe he could have been in that scene too and be like. And, and she could be like, uh, I know you fucked up and you were doing weird shit in my apartment, but you, you came through at the end when it really mattered. And then and then it can be like, oh, well, I learned my lesson. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I, 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 I took it too far this time or whatever. Right. But there's there's none of that. And, and of course, you know, you know, heaven forbid, I, I don't understand the science of fucking oil slicks coming down the. <laughs> the fucking mirror like i don't know what that means exactly so and and so that made me like super confused especially because the oil slick is completely gone you know when you see the the ricochet moment and it's 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 one of those things where it's like is it gone because they didn't want to dirty up his costume is it gone because the change sequence doesn't have the oil and they just ignored it like i don't you know i i don't know i i to me i'm like well if 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 there's no reason you know, like, what was the point of that insert then? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Is is the ray melting the mirror? Like, if it is, then it shouldn't reflect. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't get what that was supposed to represent at all. So that, that so that, that made it super weak. And you know, forgive us for overanalyzing a, you know, fucking over fifty year old. 70s tokusatsu thing or whatever you know because for the most part we're we're usually pretty passionate about this thing and we, you know we usually like it and you know i i you know i mean i still think the fight stuff is fun you know what i mean like that's that's mainly why you're watching it right you're you're watching it because kakaida's beating the shit out of this you know what a maroon guy or whatever because he is kind of a maroon what a maroon but um yeah, I mean, outside of that, uh, the guest star was cute. I mean, I could say that much, you know. So that's that's pretty much what I got on this. Um, and I think you kind of said your piece on it. So I think this is this is probably the best time to, to wrap things up. So if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanalspodcast at gmail.com. 
You can check out the backlog of episodes of Fanholes Token Thursdays over on the blog spot. That's fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there. Uh, you can also catch us over on Podbean. Uh, you can stream our episodes. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we can be found on, I think I said it, Apple Podcasts. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate all the hearts, likes, shares, and retweets that we receive. So, until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, switching off. And this is Justin. What have you done, Hattori Hanpei? You went all Paul Reiser on us this episode.